Are you feeling uncertain about selling your home? Do you wonder what needs to be done to get it sold, what you could sell it for, and how to get an acceptable offer? If that's the case, then Get Me Ready to Sell is the podcast just for you. Your host, Jeff Jones, is a realtor, coach, and entrepreneur, and he can help you gain the confidence you deserve to successfully sell your home. Here's Jeff. Hey, thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Get Me Ready to Sell podcast. This is the podcast where we present to home sellers the home selling success path. It's what it takes to get your home sold as quickly as possible for as much money as possible and for the least amount of stress for the home seller. That's you. We've already talked about preparing your home to sell, pricing your home to sell, promoting your home to sell. And today on this podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into what it looks like when you actually get an offer. Somebody has made an offer to buy your house. So let's go ahead and get started on what you need to be prepared for. Now, just a little thing up front, kind of a disclaimer. I'm in the market in the Mid-South. I'm a Tennessee and a Mississippi real estate agent. And every part of the state, every part of the country may be a little bit different because contract law in the United States is state-specific. There's not a national contract law. Our framers of our Constitution left that up to the states to determine. So every state is going to be a little bit different. I can only tell you from a high-level perspective what kinds of things are going to be in an offer and the opportunities you have to respond to that offer. Depending on where you are in selling your home, you need to know specifically what your state contract forms have in them and how you can proceed. But probably it's going to be pretty similar to what we have just with what I have that I deal with in my market. However, it might change slightly. So just so you know, using a professional in your area, and I can help with that if you don't have one, will make sure that you understand all the elements of the contract that goes in it to actually successfully close your home, close the deal to sell your home, get you the money, and let you begin living where you really want to live. So, Either a buyer's agent or your agent calls you and says, hey, we have an offer for your home. What are some things you need to do to begin with? Well, I like to look at it first to see if it's complete because real estate agents aren't attorneys. We usually use a boilerplate form that in my case, both of my states provide that form for a contract to purchase property. And there are some blanks that I can fill in. Those blanks include the parties to the purchase. That would be you, the seller, the buyers. It's going to include the property address, the legal description, the tax parcel ID number, the amount they want to purchase it for, how much earnest money that they're going to offer initially with the contract. It's going to have in there if they're going to get an appraisal or an inspection, the time frame to get the inspection done and completed, when the offer expires, when they would like to close by, any other special inspections or stipulations that they want, like if the refrigerator stays or they want it to be cleaned by a certain time frame ahead of time, those type of things, all those will be part of the contract. And it's also, at least my forms have on it, who the professional parties are. That would be the listing brokerage, the selling brokerage, the agents involved, all their information, all that stuff is gathered in there. And so I look to make sure it's complete. Did they leave any blanks out or at least any important blanks out? There may be a few things that aren't checked or aren't completed because they're not pertinent to the deal. 
And it basically in our state is if it's not checked or if it's not filled in, it's not part of the deal. So everything may not be completed. Then I want to see if it's correct. I want to go back and check my notes on the tax parcel ID number, the uh, legal description of the property, the address, the people's names involved. I want to make sure all that is correct. It's not just complete, but it needs to be correct. Because at the end of the day, when a closing attorney, and we'll be talking to a closing attorney in next week's episode, when a closing attorney is involved in the process and they're looking at everything, are we actually selling the property that we have agreed to sell? You might think that really is only important to a buyer if they put the wrong tax ID number in for that parcel or the legal description that the buyer is not getting what they're buying. However, if it's the wrong stuff or wrong information in there, it's not correct, then you're not selling your property. There was one property that I listed. I didn't list. There was one property I helped a buyer get that was actually a house built over two separate lots. So when we made an offer, the address was the same, but there were two tax parcels that were a part of this property. So I had to include both numbers in that as we were selling. It's not just the address. It's not just the legal description, but we needed to have those tax parcel IDs in there, at least for our state. Again, your state may be a little bit different. I don't know what all 50 states do. I just know that there is information on there and the information that's filled in the blanks needs to be correct. So either you or your listing agent needs to verify that it's the correct information because you don't want your house off the market for a couple of weeks or a month and then discover that the wrong information is on there. And for some reason, the buyer now wants to back out. So you start all over again, getting your home listed and sold, start promoting it again so that you can actually get an offer. So when that offer comes in, make sure it's complete, make sure it's correct. Then I want to start diving into the content. What's actually in the offer? What's the offer price? And only you, the seller, can decide if you're okay with that offer price. Whether it's above ask listing price, it's the list price, or it's below list price. Only you can decide that. So looking at the content, and it's not just about the purchase price. What other factors are involved? I'm dealing with an offer right now. The offer came in lower than our list price. The seller and I kind of expected that. This offer includes in it the fact that the buyer has their own home that they need to sell. So we've made this offer contingent on them getting their home sold. We've gone out about 60 days to close. Usually that's 30 to 45. That gives them time to get their home on the market. They weren't really looking to buy right now, but this house really checks all of the boxes for what they want to do with it more than the house that they just bought a year ago. <laughs> so they're rapidly trying to get their home on the market so they can close the deal on this particular property. So this offer, when it came in, it was a sales price and the seller, the owner of the property was okay, even though it was below list, they were okay with that price. Uh, it also has with it the contingency that they need to get their home sold if they can't successfully close their home and sell it for what they need to get out of it, then they're not going to be able to buy this property. So my seller, this property I've listed, my seller knows that. 
And it could be that this house goes back on the market in a few weeks or a month because these buyers can't get their home sold. Uh, it also has in there the inspections they want to get. They're going to get a home inspection because they are getting a loan and it's told us what kind of loan they're going to get. They are going to get an appraisal. The lender orders and requires the appraisal to make sure that the money that they're loaning for the home, that the property is actually valuable enough to compensate them if they end up having to foreclose on the property and sell it. They want their money back. It's crazy like that. People lend you money and they expect to get it back. Uh, the bank's no different. They want to get their money back. So this offer is a contingent offer. Uh, we've got some inspections and appraisal in there. It's got an amount of earnest money and who's holding that earnest money. We've all agreed to those terms. So you dig into the content and is it content that is acceptable to you? Are you okay with the sales price? Are you okay with the earnest money and who they have requested unless you told them specifically up front who holds the earnest money? In our case, we left it open to who holds the earnest money. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, maybe in the next podcast about why that may be important. The uh, other stuff that's in there that we're going to have to deal with is going to be uh, when they want to close by. It's later than we would like to close, but we got an offer. Uh, the house has been on the market for a month. This is the first offer that we've gotten in, and uh, my seller was okay with that, moving forward to try to get this property sold so that she can move on with what her plans are for her future and live where she really wants to be living because her home now is not where she wants to be uh, long-term. Hey, thanks for listening so far. I just want to make sure that you know about readytosellscore.com. On that website, you'll choose some statements that best describe how ready you are to sell your home. Then you'll get a customized list of items of things that you need to do to actually get ready to sell your home. I look forward to being able to help you any way I can. Now, back to the show. So she wants to make a change there. So anyway, you check all that content to make sure it's okay. So what happens after you uh, check out that content? Well, in my case, in our case, probably in yours as well, you have three different choices. One of those is to accept the offer as it is. You like all of the parts of the offer. You're ready to accept that offer. So you sign where you've accepted the offer and you send it back to the buyer to let them know if they haven't already turned in earnest money, then they turn in earnest money to whoever's holding that, either your listing brokerage, their brokerage, or possibly closing attorney. So who's holding the earnest money? Then all of the parties get notified. The listing agent lets your closing attorney know. The seller's agent lets the seller's closing attorney know. So all that stuff gets in the process to begin ordering the inspection, start doing title search to make sure that you actually own clear title and there's not going to be a problem with the new buyer the new owner actually having possession and having rights, all the rights to their property. So they start that title search, all that stuff goes in, and we'll talk about that in a future episode. But you can accept it as is, or you can say, nope, I don't want this offer at all, and you can reject it. And it's done. They may come back with a different offer, try to sweeten it up a little bit, change the content that's in there so it's an offer that you may like better. And if you reject it and they don't make any other kind of offer, it's dead. It's gone. And then um, the other option is that you can provide a counter offer. In this case, uh, for this offer we got, we did send a counter offer in 
and it wasn't anything substantial. At least we don't believe it was substantial. Uh, they asked for a piece of equipment to remain with the house. In our state, where I serve mainly, we try to put that personal property on a bill of sale instead of being part of the purchase agreement. So we sent a counter offer that said, hey, this piece of equipment that they want, it's going to be conveyed based on a bill of sale that's attached. So we attached a bill of sale where they ask for this piece of equipment. So there's a bill of sale that provides them that piece of equipment and it's out of the deal. It's a whole separate thing. If we successfully close on the property, then we convey title to that piece of equipment that they get if we successfully sell. We haven't conveyed that property, that equipment to them now just that they can take it off property. It's only if we have a successful close and the property changes hands and they get this piece of equipment. Another thing that we put in the counter offer was they asked for a closing attorney to hold the earnest money and we're our brokerage, the listing brokerage is actually going to be holding earnest money. So we put that in there. And uh, there may have been something else that we put in there. I don't remember what. But um, but anyway, we made a counter offer to them that they can either uh, reject or accept or they can submit their own counter offer. So we go back and forth uh, with this until we get an offer that everybody can agree to and sign off on. And in our case, because there's a realtor helping the sell of the buyer and I'm a realtor helping the seller, we can negotiate on behalf of our clients because we're agents of our clients. So I talked to my seller and said, hey, what if we made these changes? And, you know, they, they signed off on that. I called the agent and I said, hey, uh, we're happy with everything on the offer except these few things. We're going to send in a counter offer that's just going to clean up the offer a little bit. Doesn't change the sales price. It doesn't change, which is a big deal. Doesn't change the amount of earnest money when we're closing. Uh, we haven't removed their contingency. We said we're okay with giving them a chance to sell their house and close on that. So the opportunity is, so we, we talked back and forth and uh, I let them know. And so that's how we proceed. So instead of it just being an email that they get with changes with no explanation to it, I called and, and connected with that agent, the, with the agent that represents the buyer and said, here's what we're thinking. Here's how we're moving forward with this. Think there's going to be any pushback from that? How do you think about all that? And he said, no, I think all that'll be fine. So we finished the paperwork, sent it to them and they sign off on it and they send everything back and we have an accepted offer. Getting that accepted offer and having all of the details in place doesn't mean that we're going to successfully close on the sale. There are some things that can happen over the next month or two that could terminate the entire deal. One of those is an inspection. In our state, in Mississippi, our standard form gives the buyer 10 days to conduct whatever home inspections they want to have on the property. Whether that's a home inspector, if that is a sewer inspection, if it's an engineer, a roof, whatever inspections they want to get on the property to see if we have missed disclosing anything about the property that we know about. They're coming in as the seller doesn't need to lie, doesn't need to hide anything, but they're coming in as a professional to put eyes on the property to make sure there's no water damage or active water damage or the roofs, what kind of shape it's in. So they go through a thorough inspection. And for us, it, it's a minimum of 25 to 30 pages, and it could be as many as 60 or so pages of details and pictures and stuff that they get this home inspection. Then we uh, have right in the contract how many days after that inspection we have to negotiate back and forth. I usually put in anywhere from five to seven days. So 
home inspection is done on the third day of having the offer. And then by the eighth day, we should be finished negotiating everything. Now, what can happen in that inspection? Well, the inspector could uncover some stuff that the seller wasn't aware of, or it could give more details to the buyer of some things that the seller disclosed, but maybe didn't disclose all of the details, all the minor details to it, not because they were hiding anything, they just didn't either include it or they weren't aware of it. So the buyer is going to get the inspection report and they're going to either say, okay, I like the house the way it is. I'm ready to move forward or no, this thing scares me. You know, there was a fire in the kitchen 15 years ago. There were some charred timbers up in the attic. The seller only owned the house for seven years. They never went in the attic. They didn't know anything about it. They weren't told that on the front end when they bought the house or they just forgot and because they didn't live there during that fire so they don't remember it well it wasn't disclosed the buyer could get cold feet not be happy with it wonder what else did the seller not tell me about and decide to terminate the deal they have that right and they get their earnest money back so the deal is dead so they've, they've either said yes we're ready to move forward we're happy with everything no we want to walk away because we're not happy with what the inspection report revealed or they send the seller a list of things that said hey we'll move forward but we want you to correct these items we want you to fix these things or replace these things so this negotiation happens all over again and everything is on board for the negotiation so let's say that they've come back and they said, you know, we want some cracks in the concrete driveway repaired, uh, replace those sections of broken concrete. So then the seller comes back and says, uh, okay, they get an, a quote on it and they find out it's going to cost them $4,000 to replace that concrete, get it ripped out and put new concrete in. They come back and they say, okay, uh, we will correct that concrete. However, we want this new sales price to be, and they put a number in there. Maybe it's $2,000 more, $3,000 more, or maybe $4,000 more. So they put a new number in there. So everything is negotiable all over again. So there's an opportunity there if the buyer says, nope, uh, we're not going to pay any more for the house. Again, the deal's terminated and it's over with. So you get through this inspection process, and once you're finished with the inspection process, you keep moving forward if everybody's okay or finally gets a new agreement to renegotiate everything with all the correct um, amendments or addendums or whatever have to be added or changed in the contract, you move forward. Well, then it comes to the appraisal time. If you're getting a loan and you're financing at least more than 80%, sometimes 80% or even less, the lender is going to want to get an appraisal to make sure the home is valued at that. If you're selling your home for $400,000, they want to make sure, especially if they're loaning, the lender's loaning 97% of that value, they want to make sure that it's worth $400,000 or what is the value of it. So they get an appraisal and the appraiser comes in and the appraiser comes back and says, hey, the house is valued at $400,000 or the house is valued at four hundred and five. dollars or the house is valued at 390. If it's valued less than the agreed purchase price, there's a negotiation all over again. So the buyer's gonna come back and more than likely they don't want to pay more than what it appraises for. So as the seller, you get to decide, okay, I'll reduce the price and sell it for that amount. Or Mr. Buyer, if you want it, let's see, we agreed to 400, it's only appraised at 390. 
I'll sell it to you for $395. You know, you've got to pay that $5,000 difference plus whatever down payment and closing costs you were doing. So there's all kinds of negotiation that can happen in there. It just depends on you. And again, if we don't reach an agreement after that, the deal is terminated. The buyer gets their earnest money back. Start promoting the house all over again and get another offer in and go through this process all over until we get to a successful close. Now, I know that's a lot and it can be complicated. That's why I believe it is really important for you to have a team of professionals helping you navigate this entire process. And a realtor like me, a real estate agent, is part of your team to help you navigate all of this stuff that can be overwhelming that you don't really understand or maybe you do understand but you still want somebody else advocating on your behalf as your agent working for you to get to a successful close. So you have this offer, doesn't mean that's exactly what your home is gonna sell for because you know, we have this inspection that we have to get through and maybe renegotiate. We have an appraisal we have to get through and we get to renegotiate. And uh, something about the appraisal, the buyer doesn't get to pick the appraiser and you don't get to pick the appraiser, at least where I serve. Our lenders have a list, say they have five appraisers that they use, local appraisers that they use to appraise properties that they're considering offering mortgages on. And, you know, the next appraiser up, let's say this one got a deal yesterday that they have to go out and look at. And this one got one the day before and this one got one the day before. So the fourth one on their list is going to be the one that actually gets the appraisal uh, order to go and make the appraisal so that it's kind of arm's length. Your uncle, your cousin, the lender's uncle or cousin or brother or sister or whoever or the buyer's. Nobody connected with the lender, nobody connected with e any of the parties involved is doing the appraisal because we want to make sure that it's a fair and unbiased valuation of the property. Nobody's putting their thumb on the scale to make it either be valued higher or be valued lower. It's all independent. So nobody gets to choose who that is, at least in our markets. So you've gotten an offer in, you've worked through all of the elements Everybody's agreed to everything. We've moved past the inspection. We've moved past the appraisal. The buyer gets their clear to close because they have submitted all their paperwork. They're a good risk for the lender. They have the money they need to put down for down payment to put for their closing costs. And guess what? It's time to meet at the attorney's office, sign the paperwork, hand over the keys, and get your money. It may sound that simple, but there are a lot of moving pieces behind putting a sign in your yard, getting it listed on the MLS and on Zillow and Realtor.com and wherever it's going to be on social media and actually having money put in your bank account after you've transferred keys over. There's a lot involved in that. Again, I suggest that you have an agent, a real estate agent, a real estate attorney, all those folks helping you as those professionals that are partners with you on getting your home sold. I'm going to go ahead and address earnest money for just a moment. Earnest money, at least in my market, is not a requirement. It is usually done, and what it means is the buyer is earnestly pursuing all the stuff that they need to do to purchase the property. I've seen earnest money as low as $500, and earnest money can be $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, whatever. Sometimes the seller would say they want X percent of earnest money, 1%, 2%, 3%, 10%, whatever that may be. 
or you don't put it in there. On the lower end properties, a $200,000, $300,000 property, in our market, I usually see $500 or $1,000 in earnest money. It could be a lot more. It just depends. And that earnest money is kind of like, I kind of describe it kind of like an engagement ring. An engagement ring doesn't make you married. It just says to the lady, hey, I'm serious about you. I don't want to be connected with anybody else but you. And I am planning to spend the rest of my life with you. Are you okay with that? And can we move forward to make that happen? It's what that earnest money is for. The seller's probably would prefer their agent, their brokerage to hold the earnest money. The buyers would prefer their agent, their brokerage to hold the earnest money. And here's why. Because at the end of the day, if the buyer terminates the deal, they're going to want their money back. Now, if they terminate their deal for cause that's listed in the offer, they get their money back. If we can't work through the inspection and get an agreement to move forward, the deal is terminated, they get their money back. If the house doesn't appraise for the value that it's being sold for and we can't reach an agreement on a new sales price, they get their earnest money back. It's not their fault it didn't appraise for that and they couldn't pay more and you, the seller, wouldn't take less, so they get their earnest money back. If they're not able to qualify and get their mortgage, get their loan for the property, if they lose their job, if a spouse dies, if they screw up their credit report because they go out and buy furniture ahead of time or buy a car ahead of time and they can't get that funding, they messed it all up. However, in our boilerplate contracts, it says if they can't get funding that they get their money back. They get that we terminate the deal, they get their earnest money back. If they just decide, hey, we prefer to that house down the road, we like it a whole lot better, we want to go buy that, you get to keep the earnest money. If they just decide, hey, we're going to just rent right now, or no, I'm taking a job somewhere else and we're not going to pursue buying that property, they're going to ask for it back. They're going to ask to terminate the deal and ask for it back, but you get to decide whether or not you're going to give it back. Now, if you don't, there's still the potential that they could go through legal channels for arbitration or whatever to try to get their money back. If the buyer's brokerage is holding the earnest money, it's easier for the buyer to get it because the buyer's agent represents them and they're going to be a little more lenient to giving them that money. If the listing brokerage holds the earnest money, your agent, your brokerage is going to be less likely to just hand them the money back unless it's a clear reason that they're able to terminate the deal. It's all part of the negotiation. Who gets to hold the earnest money? And it can be a third party. Now, the closing attorneys that I've spoken with and I know in my market, they hold earnest money, but the ones I've talked to really don't want to. They don't want to be caught in the middle of having to figure out what's going on. And if it gets involved in a legal case, and they're holding a $1,000 check, they don't want their time and their effort having to go to court to defend the seller or the buyer. It's just not worth it for them. They hold the earnest money as a service for their client, but at least, again, in my market, it's not something that those agents, that those uh, closing attorneys really want to do. So again, it depends on your market. It depends on whatever agreement you put in place with the other party. Uh, to move forward to continue to get your home sold to close to get you your money.
Hey, I know this has not been one of the, uh, the sexiest type of podcast for the information we have to cover, but if you want to sell your home, you're going to have to get an offer. And it might be somebody walking up and knocking on your door and said, I have $400,000 in cash that I want to give you for your house. Here's a piece of paper that you sign the deed over and here's the money. That's still a piece of paper. That's still an offer that you're going to have to deal with. And you have to trust that all that's right. How do you know that money is not counterfeit money? And so you've sold your house over. You take all that money. You take those suitcases, uh, briefcases of money to the bank, and you discover it's counterfeit money. Uh, or you discover it was in a robbery and stolen because of the serial number. So anyway, I'm giving you some far-fetched things. But the point of all that is you need a team of professionals to partner with you to get your home sold to make sure that you're doing everything accurately. Even if you choose to do a for sale by owner and don't use someone like me as an agent, have a connection with a real estate attorney who can do those things on your behalf. They're not going to negotiate on your behalf. They're not going to do those things on your behalf, however, or not likely, but they will look over the paperwork to make sure everything is legal and accurate and help you through all that process. If you start with a realtor, real estate professional, We'll connect you with all those and we'll get you access to the legal help that you need. Anyway, I hope this has been helpful to you today and I look forward to helping you get an offer on your property, whether that's in my market or I help connect you with an agent in your market where you are because you want to sell your home. It'll be exciting to see how that happens so that you're able to give the keys to another family, some uh, individual who will move in and make this house this property, their own home. You get to give them the keys. You get a bunch of money, hopefully, in your bank account that lets you move forward to live where you really want to live next. Have a blessed day and look forward to seeing you and being a part of your life next week. We'll be talking to uh, Amy Spicer. She's a local real estate attorney in my market. She's an attorney in multiple states. We'll talk about that. And she's going to help us navigate actually the closing elements to where you're able to turn over keys and get your money. Have a blessed day. Hey, thanks for listening today. Make sure to check out the show notes for any links to websites I may have mentioned and for a transcript to this episode. If you're listening on podcast, but you'd rather watch it, you can discover it on our YouTube channel. Just look for Get Me Ready to Sell. You deserve to be confident in your home selling process. And if you have an agent already working with you, they should be helping you. If not, let's have a conversation to see how I may be able to help you get ready regardless of the market you're in. There are three things that you can do right now to get yourself ready to sell. Number one is visit readytosellscore.com. Choose a few statements and you'll discover how ready you may be or not to sell your home. Number two is to download the tips for preparing your home for sale. There's some items in there. I think we've covered them in a previous podcast, but you will want to see what those items are to make sure you're ready. And number three, schedule a conversation with me to develop a personalized plan to get you ready to sell your home. Have a blessed day.